This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome into episode 103 of the Courtside Crossover with Chris Partee. As always, we're presented by FullPressCoverage.com. Check us out on the Full Press Coverage app, as well as Megaphone FM, Spotify, and anywhere else you find podcasts. Find me on Instagram, Twitter, and now Blue Sky at Chris Partee. All right. Got two guests this week. We don't do this very often. Bringing in my man Ed Cole out there in Phoenix, Arizona, and my man Carl Shoning. I'm going to say Central Texas because he's between Austin and San Antonio covering everything sports out there, just like Ed is covering everything sports out there in Phoenix. What's going on, fellas? What's up, CP? Man, I'm chilling. I'm chilling. I appreciate you guys joining me here today. Like I said, episode 103, really grateful for you guys coming on whenever I need you. There's, you know, even though it's the offseason, there's still a lot going on to talk about. There's no games, but there's a lot of NBA stuff going on, um, and we're going to get into that. I want to talk a little bit about this Noah Lyles controversy that everybody's in an uproar over. And then today, actually, the NBA announced that the Mavericks are going to be playing Real Madrid, who are the EuroLeague champions, on October 10th. So we'll get into that. I want to get you guys' uh, opinion on Jalen Brown and the Big Three and how you feel about players going current players, active players going to the big three to play. Um, and if we have time, we'll get into Giannis and some comments from Sam Mitchell, former NBA coach and player. 
And then um, Ben Simmons will save him for last because he says something crazy or silly again. But let's start with the Noah Lyles thing. So we know Noah Lyles, USA track and field. He came out earlier this week and basically downplayed the fact that whoever wins the NBA finals are world champions. Now we know that the best players in the world from all over the world now for the last 35 or whatever years now, all at some point usually come to the NBA. If you're that good, you're going to get to the NBA, especially now. So in a way you can say, yeah, best league in the world, best players, world champion. But what he's saying is you don't play anyone outside of your league. So how are you a world champion? He's saying he's an Olympian. He's running for uh, team USA against the world, literally against the world, other countries around the world. He's saying, we have the world here. We're representing flying flags. You don't have that in NBA. Ed, I want to start with you. Give me your thoughts on, on, uh, on these comments. And do you understand all the backlash that he got? I do understand the backlash. I, I, in a way, I kind of agree with him from a technical standpoint. Yes. It, it, they're not world champions because as yeah, as you're talking about, no, they, they're not facing any team that's outside of the United States. They're facing teams that are inside the United States. And that that's how, how it works out. That's how that that's how Miami and Denver played last season, because um, last time I checked those bo- both of those two cities are in the United States of America, but they are made up of, of players from across the world. So if you really want to look deep, deeply into it, CP and Carl, yes, th- it, it, to me, I, I actually I actually think they are world champions because it is an amalgamation of players that come from across the world, even though they do play in in the National Basketball Association, which is solely made up of teams inside the United States. So in a way, I can agree with him, but in a way, I cannot agree with him because of the makeup of these players in these teams. So you, so and what you're saying is you get why, because a bunch of players came out almost immediately, especially on Twitter. Yeah, KD. And, you know, and, read, pretty much what? read him his rights via Twitter about what he said and you know some guys went a little far you know kind of made it almost personal but i can understand um carl how you feel about it this is where we've hit the saturation point of social media conversations we're started debating uh, in the middle of an off season whether or not the nba champs are the world champs and you take your <laughs> stance on it and i think a third of the people have one side of it another third of the people have another side of it and another third just kind of don't care like i i think ed and i are sort of in that third that don't really care but we can make arguments for both sides and then there are sides that are more or less willing to die on that hill what, what their belief is like from a san antonio perspective perspective in 2005 when the Spurs won the championship uh Manu Ginobili had just won the 2004 Olympics and that was the first dream team era non-USA team to win the gold medal right so uh you, you saw Manu just sort of like really proud about being that gold medalist for Argentina when the Spurs won in 2005 you know basically the next championship available to the world if you will the Spurs had on a dry erase board 2005 NBA world champions and Manu erased the world part. And to that point at the AT&T center, the 99 banner and the 03 banner said world champions. When they unveiled the 05 one world had been taken off of the mm-hmm. first two and hadn't been used for the next three. So mm-hmm. it, it's sort of one of those things where in San Antonio, because of Manu Ginobili, with all respect to the greatest six man of all time, if you will, uh, you know, if any, you ask any Spurs fan, obviously that's going to be their answer. Uh, then we don't really call it world championship, but if, you want to make the argument that yes this is the open league where the best players in the world accumulate 
you know, in in European soccer, you can have that argument between, uh, you know, uh, La Liga and the British Premier League. But at the same time, you know that the top of the British Premier League and the top of La Liga would beat the bottom of either of those other two teams because of relegation factors and such. And they do have a sort of best club in the world championship. So then you have the, you know, essentially the soccer Euro League or the basketball Euro League that uh, do sort of crown the best in that area. So to end this conversation, uh, I think we saw the news today, right? I think we're going to get to it. Yeah. Uh, the Mavericks are going to play uh, Real Madrid, right? So well, if they were to play that seriously, if we were to say the Mavericks won the championship and Real Madrid, you know, won EuroLeague and they were to go at each other, then, yeah, we could call that the world championship. Uh, that was on the last dance with the Bulls, wasn't it? They defeated the EuroLeague by, like, 40 i think that that would be the case that would be yes. what we'd be dealing with if we started to throw nba teams at non-nba teams for a, a game worth something like i think it was the mcdonald's world championship because mcdonald's owns the 90s right so yeah, uh, that, was, yeah. that was sort of what i think uh, happened and you know mj didn't even care and probably dropped 40 so carl in saying that so you just brought up the uh, real madrid versus mavs that'll be i, I believe on october 10th so we're looking at, you know, a little bit over a month away from that. Um, do you think we ever get to a point? Because I wrote an article about it earlier today, uh, Deadspin, and, you know, I talked about how the NBA is constantly trying to grow and become more of a – they're already a global league. They've been global for a very long time, but they want to be even more of that, even bigger, of course. You know, every business wants to grow, right? Mm -hmm. We got the plan. Now we got the in-season tournament. Do you think there's a, will ever come a time when we see legit games or series that actually matter? This is just going to be an exhibition. Nobody cares. Do you think we'll get to a time where we see games that actually matter between NBA teams, whether it just be the champion against champion in the Euro League or a different or, or uh, another league overseas? Do you think we ever get to that point? To, to counter my point earlier about the the 90s Bulls, whenever that was going overseas and playing, I, I think it was also Real Madrid, whoever won the EuroLeague that year. I, I, I probably need to rewatch the last dance. I enjoyed it. But um, that that is not that that gap is much closer. Like if we really did have a serious game, I think that it wouldn't be. 25 points no questions asked like team usa versus jordan you know what i mean like that i don't think it's quite team usa versus some random country that doesn't have too many nba players on the roster i think there is probably a chance that if you were to say dallas mavericks a random team against the nba were to play a meaningful game against a good to you know top four euroleague team like monaco they were in the top four i think they finished third uh that would probably be a bit more competitive than you think which rules do we play by sort of has a fun little spin on it we should play by the FIBA rules in my opinion uh and then uh I, I think that it's close but I still think that if it were a serious like you know storied championship uh, or an attempt at it at least the NBA team would probably still win running away if you put the champs versus Real Madrid or somebody like that I think so, Carl, too. And if, if that were to happen, how would that work? It wouldn't count toward their regular season statistics or their standings because that team that they, they're playing is not in the NBA. So would it be strictly an exhibition game? But see, Ed, right there, I'm glad you said that. That's what I'm getting at. Do you ever think we'll get to a point to where there becomes maybe a partnership between the leagues to where, okay, our champion is going to play your champion or we take our top four, put them in a pool, 
like they do in soccer and I guess over there in the EuroLeague as well. And we do that, some type of round robin, whatever it is. Because like I said, they're doing the in-season tournament now and they're Mm -hmm. doing the playing tournament. These are things that we never would have seen in the NBA even 15 years ago, right? Like they're a lot more open to the ideas. Now the players, some fans may not like it. Now I wasn't a big fan of the plan to begin with, but I love it now because it's produced exciting moments and it gives, I guess it gives fans more hope as far as, you know, like, Oh, if we get in, maybe, I mean, look at, look at uh, Miami this year, right? Playing. Now it's not going to happen every year, but within three years, we've already had already had one playing team go from, almost out because they lost to Atlanta in the first game to the finals where, you know, they didn't really get that close, but they got to the finals and, and they were there. Right. So Ed, I, that's what I'm asking. Like, do you ever think, mm-hmm. you, do you, how do you, how could you imagine it looking, I guess, Ed, like, do you think it would be some type of, have to be some type of partnership obviously, or like, I, just like, what would you imagine that that might look like? Do you think it could ever even happen? You think there's just, or do you think there's just no chance at all? Well, CP and Carl, we all know money talks. And money, money is flowing very frequently, and it's flowing really well in the NBA. You can see the Wolves and the Mavs, they're going to play two preseason games in Abu, uh, Abu Dhabi. The Cavs and the Nets are going to play in Paris. The Hawks and the Magic are going to play in Mexico City. We're talking about Dallas playing Real, Real Madrid in Spain. So we know Adam Silver in the NBA is all about this international flavor, about getting an international audience to watch their basketball teams. So I think the next logical step would be to form a partnership with some of these teams overseas and maybe as, as you mentioned maybe do a, a, a tournament where maybe it is a round robin tournament or whatever adam silver and his, and his people are thinking as far as uh aligning with with these these organizations overseas it could happen i, I think it definitely definitely will happen because again it the, the dollars will speak and the the television rights and and that money will come a flowing what do you think carl, Go ahead, carl. Yeah, that, that's something that is interesting. I think, obviously, we open the door for, for more exhibitions, and obviously we'll talk about exhibitions a little later in the show, not just a little foreshadowing there. But uh, when it comes into, I guess, um, uh, the actual rules, when you really look at FIBA rules to its core, it's counterintuitive to what the NBA does because you are only allowed so many imports on a FIBA basketball team. Uh, I think this was a way to make sure that the richest uh, teams in the world didn't buy up the Americans when the American talent pool was so significantly better. But I think it's also a way to keep those domestic leagues interesting to those countries because, you know, it's a much smaller country than the United States. And, you know, it's one of those things where they don't think that, say, for example, a small Lithuanian town is going to cheer for a bunch of americans you kind of feel like you need to keep the country flavor going in there so uh that that's obviously a real limitation when you're talking about compiling the best team of talent possible so yeah i think that when you really look at it overall the nba from a team structure standpoint is just way too uh lenient in all of the rules that FIBA teams have to abide to for us to ever really, as long as those mm-hmm. rules are in place, consider a Euroleague team better than an NBA team. However, this has G League written all over it. Like G League champion goes and plays in uh the Euro Leagues for for a round. And as long as I, I call Austin Spurs games, and it is so crazy how often 
uh, a G League roster will be flipped overnight. It's like, oh, yeah, we we assigned both of our two-way guys and our first-round pick and our second-round pick because everybody in front of them is healthy and we want them to play. And uh, we also have three really good players. And then the next week, all those guys are recalled because a couple injuries happened and the good three players were signed to 10 days or something along those lines. So, you know, like <laughs> – that, that would have to sort of be the weird thing where if we incorporate a G League team or let's say an NBA champion, we'd have to find out where in the season that happens because, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. NBA teams after the playoffs, championship or not, are, are ready to just re- decompress for a few months. Like that is sort of like their right as the best athletes in the world. Of course, there's some international ball, which I do think they take seriously, but uh, you know, going back to Ed's point, it's going to, it's going to have to be the money. <laughs> the money has to of course. Stop there. And that, and I think that's really something where you bring up Abu Dhabi. Uh, I think uh, Middle East money is something that we have to sort of keep in mind when we see what happens with live. I don't necessarily think Giannis Antetokounmpo becomes a free agent and he gets bought for half a billion dollars from a Middle Eastern mm-hmm. country. But I do think that some of that money to facilitate these sort of, uh, you know, winner gets a million dollars each player competition. It realistically to me seems like it could happen over there. Because that seems to be where they're printing money. Uh, you know, um, I think that's something that we also have to look at in terms of other conversations that I personally don't feel like I'm qualified to really talk about, but you will hear some concerns about. All I'm saying is uh, money does talk, and that sort of is as things oh, get course. more international. And you mentioned Abu Dhabi. Obviously, uh, they have some beautiful uh, places for us to play some basketball. Uh, that's going to be a uh, something we see in the not-too-distant future, creating entertaining events for those venues. Carl, let's rerun for a quick second there. So you mentioned G League players. All right, now that yeah. would probably a lot be probably be a lot easier to pull off and schedule from an NBA standpoint, especially. But is that the best representation? Like, is that the representation no. you want no. against the world? Right. No. So, no. It's, for me, it's, it's almost that's almost a no go right there. It's like, why? Right. <laughs> why even do that? Yeah, yeah, if you're, if, yeah, if you're gonna do it, point. if you're gonna if you're gonna, I'm sorry, Carl. If you're gonna do it, throw your best, throw your best players out there, the best the, the best players that you can market, or at least guys that are regulars on on rosters, right? Yeah, well, you're saying they don't yeah. they don't necessarily have to be superstars. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like at least guys that are you know, it doesn't have to be LeBron and Steph Curry all the time, but it should be guys that are regulars on a roster that aren't back and forth. You know what I mean? Back and well, forth between the G League, because some guys are back and forth. Although players, although the fans across the world would want to see the top players in the NBA, they would. But I'm not saying. I'm just saying it doesn't. I don't think it would have to be Steph and because there's other top players. I mean, you can have oh, Devin sure. Booker out there. Devin Booker's a top what 10, 15 player, right? Easily, yeah. And, and you so, know, this yeah. is. This is where we maybe do we make it the rising stars roster in the all star game also gets a chance to uh, compete in the international uh, Euro. Oh, Anthony Edwards out there? Yeah. Well, yes. well, you know, I'm talking maybe uh, first four year players. So, yes, Anthony Edwards would make that cut, wouldn't he? So, you know, I, that, that would be fun because. Uh, at, at that level, you're not throwing out a uh, unless you're talking maybe Victor Wimbenyama, a, uh, <laughs> a, a, a guy who's like MVP caliber going out there, destroying dudes potentially. And, you know, obviously uh, Wimby has to prove that. So maybe I should say someone like Zion goes out there. Right. Uh, well, wait, is Zion's first four years? Those uh, I think, I think this is going to year five now. 
Yeah, I think this is your first year of his extension, yeah. right? So, yeah. um, although he hasn't actually played a full four years, but you know, no, and that, that that's <laughs> also why I have trouble with how many years he's played. <laughs> but you you see my point, right? Like, uh, you, you know, th- then we got to like figure out what's the team structure going to be. If it's not going to be the G League champions or the NBA champions, maybe it is something along those lines. Like, oh hey, being selected in the All Star uh, uh, Rising Stars, you get to go ahead and move on to the uh, next level of uh, uh, this. Uh, exhibition in the summer if you so choose this way we have uh what 24 50 guys because they do include some g league prospects in in those all-star weekend events that are a pool of players we pick the best 12 to go play in this exhibition game if you so choose you know like i think that it has to be something along those lines you know like that'd be a good opportunity for whoever the next scoot henderson is to go out there oh g league ignite uh rising stars player uh go out there and play against the euro league and you know those guys get a good opportunity to get market internationally as well we're talking the younger stars um i know we're not talking and i know i talk a lot i'm sorry i'll wrap this up like i'll wrap it up with this like you look at our nba nationally televised schedule and i feel like we're robbing the national audiences of seeing some of these young players so to y'all's point no you're not going to watch the long island nets uh go out there and play the best euro league team because they won the showcase cup right like uh i, I think that you- you're right you want maybe the rising stars so this way you can start to market the young NBA talent on that international stage. So, Carl, when you say that, you say we're robbed the um, that the NBA is robbing the national audience of young players. Are you talking about guys in the G League? Is that what you're saying? No, no, I, I'm talking about like Scoot Henderson has won okay. national televised game. I think Lamelo Ball gotcha. has won. I think Memphis yeah. has definitely been cheated a little bit because. You know, it's on the back well, end after the Joss and, and there, I think. And, there, and there's quite a few NBA teams that don't have any national nationally televised games at all. And there's yeah, really talented we players why, on these teams you're not going to see. We yeah, know why. I mean, it's, about, it's about ratings. I mean, yeah, it's about ratings. We, under, we understand that. But a lot so, of those teams get games on – now, NBA TV is not TNT or ESPN. I get it. But they do get games. Like, there was a lot of Hornets games on NBA TV last year. National. So, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now I, I get it, yeah, national. I, I understand, but we also get that it's a business, right? Yeah, of course. Uh, of course. I, I wouldn't really mock them too much for throwing LeBron James on, who's one of the game's greatest stars, instead of uh, you know, three more times going with whoever now, but, it is. Well, what I would say is, and I think they do this already, more have more of those get more of those teams that don't get the national spotlight. Give it to them early in the season, right? Before all, all, all hope is lost. So like October, November, you know what I mean? Get some of those games in because we're going to want to see the teams that are in the hunt or at least the star players that are in the hunt later in the season, you know, February, March, April, we head into the playoffs, whatever, or really from January on. So I would say you could do mm-hmm. something like that, but they, it seems like they already do because there are, have been a few times when I've, you know, seen on the schedule where, oh, we got the Hornets and the Pelicans and Zion's out in November, right? It's yeah. like, yeah, do I really care? I might want to see some of these other young players. I might want to see uh, uh, LaMelo Ball, you know what I mean, if he's not hurt. If right. it were possible to just have a nationally televised game every day of the week, that would solve this issue. And who knows? We might get to that point with uh, whatever the next contract is. I think you know that's possible, though. Involved and things like sure, that. Yeah, it's possible. Oh, yeah. I think that's yeah. very possible. I mean, I, and honestly, Carl, I'm glad you said that. I'm not even sure why that hasn't happened. Well, you know, if not every day, 
because right now we have Tuesday, Thursday for sure, right? For, uh, for um, Tuesday, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturday, Sundays, Saturday, Sundays. Yeah, Mondays and Wednesdays tend to be more uh, dedicated to college, more NBA TV, yeah. and such. Yeah. So I mean, for yeah, ESPN, the TV, yeah. For, yeah, for ESPN since they also have college, um, yeah, that could be a little tough as far as too many days. But I mean, if you already got three days per week, I mean, but you know, like you said, as the money continues to grow there will probably be more games added. Um, I want to ask you guys this real quick before we move on. Ed, I'll go to you first on this one. How close is the gap now? Carl mentioned earlier about the gap being not as wide as it was between international players and American players as far as NBA players, um, as it was back in the 90s when Jordan and those guys blew out uh, the team from Europe. How Mm -hmm. close is the gap now? Or, Or is there even a gap anymore? Is there that much of a gap? Because we've lost games nationally as far as the USA team. We've lost a lot of games in the last 15 years. So yes. how is the gap if there is a gap? It Yeah, I, w- I would say the gap is much tighter than it was back in the 90s when when MJ and, and, the, and the Dream Team were out there just demolishing teams, you know. But it, it should, the, the talent level has risen worldwide. And, yes, the, the USA should be on notice that those teams over there they're really good and they're they're getting better. The talent level is continuing to rise and they should they should be on notice that hey yeah, you you guys the USA team USA is are still the big dogs, but there's still some there's still some pups coming after you. They're nipping at your heels. Go ahead, Carl. I got something but then you go ahead, Carl. It sort of depends on the generation, right? Because obviously Argentina in 04 had this golden generation where you could probably list off five or six NBA players like Andres Nocioni, Luis Scola, Carlos Delfino, Manu Ginobili, obviously. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, somebody like France is on the rise. What if they get a Joel Embiid, who's sort of a international free agent, if you will? Uh, you, you also see somebody, because uh, Embiid could either play for the United States or France or Cameroon. Yeah. And uh, he's sort yep. of a, uh, one of those those guys that I think is an interesting uh, tip of the powers, if you will, because oh, Embiid would be the best player on this Team USA roster. Uh, I, I also think that Team USA is not as big of a deal as it was after the Redeem team and maybe the 2012 mm-hmm. team. Uh, I do think that a lot of these guys are more about their supermax contracts and staying healthy <laughs> uh, than maybe uh, their second or third Olympics, right? It, it, it's sort of one of those, I think, after their second or third Olympics, they're done. And so, you know, guys like Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, uh, maybe Steph will go because of Steve Kerr, but LeBron James, Anthony Davis, they all seem like they're done. And yeah. I think that you can argue mm-hmm. those are – better players than some of the guys out there right now so uh, obviously team usa is also not pulling out the a plus team like they could easily do in the majority of the dream team era now carl do you think part of that now wasn't paul george's big injury during the uh like one of the national teams yeah uh, vegas it was uh, in vegas so Mm -hmm. i mean there's also always that possibility and i think that might have i don't know if can't remember if that was his first or second time out for the national team, but um, yeah. So I, I see what you're saying. Um, I had okay. I did want to mention this though. So we mentioned how, or Ed, you just mentioned how you know the big dog is still the USA, but I'm going to counter that by asking you: Are they really? Because the last three MVPs, none of them are from America. None of them were born here in the United States. I'll put it like that. Not a one. And really, it's the last five MVPs because two were back-to-back, and then we just had Joel and B. 
Mm-hmm. You had Nikola back-to-back, and you had Giannis back-to-back. So the last five years, we're talking about half a decade, guys. Yeah. The last half a decade, all the three, all three MVPs of the NBA, none of them were born in the United States. United now, States, yes. So, I mean, we're, uh, you talked about the gap, right? I mean, I'd say the gap at the at the very least, the gap is as small as it's ever been. I agree. Between us and right between us and then the world, basically. Yeah, but I, I I would still stay. I would still say Team USA is still on top until they consistently get beaten on a consistent basis. Fair. Uh, a tournament after tournament, um, a, 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 until that actually happens, and then other other teams from other countries can consistently say, "Okay, we've beaten Team USA." You know, two or three, at, at least for the last three or four tournaments, then they can say, "Okay, well, Team USA has taken a step back, and there's other guys that have stepping up and taking that that number one spot, that team." That the, the big dog role until that happens, I would still say Team USA is still on top, at least aesthetically from a clearly from a marketing standpoint, because everybody looks at Team USA and what they did back in the 90s when MJ and, and that dream team was together. They, they still talk about that team to this day, and they will forever talk about that team. That's for sure. Uh, Carl, last thoughts on this one? Probably only since like maybe 2005 when you talk about Manu Ginobili and Dirk Nowitzki really coming onto the stage. You can throw Steve Nash in there. We're superstars coming internationally. And now we're just seeing a bit more of a flood of it, right? Like obviously Dirk won an MVP and uh, you, you know, you talk about plenty of other players who like Powell Gasol, who have always been all NBA type players. So now we're just seeing more of them. And, and obviously uh, some Americans were in the race. I think some people could argue that LeBron James or Steph Curry maybe uh, also deserve to be in those conversations, but they've won their MVPs. So they want to, you know, not let LeBron absolutely sweep his entire career <laughs> for most valuable player and Steph as well. You know, do so, you think there's validity really to that argument? There yeah, you of course, so? there's voter fatigue. Yes. Yeah, I, 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 I think everybody gets tired of saying, you know what? LeBron James is a really good basketball player that's a top five easily. And you have five votes for MVP, right? Like you get so many points for first, second, third, yeah. or fifth. Mm-hmm. So thus, uh, you know, it's like, well, LeBron's in there, but he has, what, five, six? It's like, let's give it to Giannis. Let's give it to uh, you know, James Harden this year, because those guys deserve it as well, right? Like, I think in a weird way, if there was also an offensive player of the year, James Harden probably would have won like four or five, even if LeBron James won the MVP kind of thing. So yeah. in a way, I think yep. we, we want to reward uh, some individual recognition to these guys who uh, sort of maybe don't deserve to be considered better than LeBron or Steph in this generation. But at the same time, they do deserve it. And, you know, we're talking about just Americans still being in the conversation. So, yeah, uh, you know, just kind of wrapping it up, we're going to always see, you know, maybe Wimbenyama is the next guy who is just always in the conversation for an international look. And then, uh, you know, let's say Scoots, the other guy who's uh, in the conversation for an American look. And, you know, I think it almost comes down to team success a lot of the time as well. Do you think Scoot's going to be that good, though, to be in MVP conversations? No. You know, to be honest with you, I think he he obviously has uh, a lot of work to do on his shot. But if he could develop mm-hmm. his shot, he could be at that conversation. Uh, he, can, he can go left, he can go right, he can create his own shot 15 feet and in. But, you know, that's the difference between being, uh, you know, good and great is being able to consistently knock down that three. And uh, that'll really make him dangerous if he can hit the three and stretch his game to the third level. 
Real quick, guys, before like now that you, you mentioned that about the voter fatigue. If not for that, LeBron has four MVPs. I want to get both of your thoughts on this, obviously. Oh, it's four. Okay. How many? How how, how many do you think he like would want? If not for guys saying, "Oh well, he just won two in a row. Let's go another way." If, if that, that you know, let's you know hypothetically, let's just say, how do you? How many do you think he would have won in twenty years? How many more? I guess he has four already. I'd say at at least six. What do you think, Carl? Yeah, I, I feel like, you know, maybe Kareem is the example for this, that where he won six MVPs, but he uh, maybe arguably could have won like nine or ten, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's see. Wasn't, wasn't it – didn't Carl Malone win it one year and it was a big deal because uh, it was a Jordan yeah. MVP taken away from him? I believe he won it one yes. of the years they went to the finals, Malone. Yeah, but like still, it's like, oh, MJ won the finals. So, you know, like in a way, he got the last life and proved that he probably should have won the MVP. And that's sort of where we're talking about with some of these players. Well, that's That's right. Carl Carl did. He won it back to back years. I forgot. That's right. Oh, Malone? Yeah, 96, 97, 98. Okay, there you go. Exactly. So, um, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, kind of the same thing happened in 93 when uh, Barkley won it and then Jordan beat him in the finals. And people thought Jordan probably could have won it that year. I mean, obviously, Jordan probably could have won eight MVPs. Let's just be honest. He probably because even before he was winning finals, he was probably the best player in the league from '88 yes. on, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I, I would. I would argue. Gosh, his first man. His first year, year. His first year, he could have been the MVP. <laughs> that guy. It's, it's like the same thing with Giannis and um, Giannis. You could say. Each and every year, he could be the MVP, right? They could they they could just give it to him because of his immense talent, but they can't do that every year because as you mean, it's 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 voter fatigue, and then the fans would be like, "Well, you give it to him again this year." I mean, what's the big deal about the MVP award if you're going to give it to the same player, person every single year? But if a guy is that far and away the best, like Jordan was, I mean, there was. When Jordan was in the league from, uh, let's just say from the first finals year, 91 through 98, and he left for a year and a half, I get that. But he was clearly the best guy. Now, in my opinion, Hakeem was the second best player in the league for most of those years. Even before they got to the finals, Hakeem Olajuwon was a beast. And I think he gets overlooked far too often in the Mm -hmm. talk about greatest centers. I'm just going to put that out there. But Jordan was the best far by far by far the best player in the league. I don't care who else won MVP in any of those years outside of him. What would have been wrong with him winning it every year? Let's say he won six in a row. Was the gap, was was that gap between him and magic and bird that big? Well, but here's the thing. 91 magic was gone. HIV, you know, he HIV HIV announcement in early 91, 92 season. So he was gone. All all those years that MJ and and magic and and, bird got old went back and forth. Yeah, he did. Bird got old. By, by, by 92, Bird was pretty much done. His back was – it was done. He was done. So there was no really – by that time, it was Jordan's league for sure. By 91, 92, that was Jordan's league. So what I'm saying is yes, what's wrong if a guy is far and away the best in the league? It's not like – there were so, there, there was a certain time when I would say LeBron was by far the best player. But there have been – it's closer with LeBron and his peers than it was with Jordan and his. I'll put it like that. So I'm just oh, yes. saying, like, what's wrong with giving the guy the the, the award if he deserves it, Carl? Uh, no, you, you, I mean, you're preaching to the choir here. I think that <laughs> we both agree that 
if if it kind of came down to the three of us voting, we probably would always go with, you know, whoever we decide. But <laughs> that, that's where I think it's fun. And sometimes people overthink it. Like the guy who picked Walker Kessler over Powell Bancaro to be rookie of the year and he <laughs> yeah. in Utah, you know, like sometimes oh, you have those man. kind of biases that make an effect. And, you know, I, I think you also need to take in the element that it's media driven, right? So exactly. Like, uh, mm-hmm. th- there are a bunch of people who maybe know that they will mess up the chances for uh, MJ if they uh, to say, OK, you know what, I'm going to put him third because I think Malone deserves it. And then I think, uh, you know, Pippen deserves it or whatever, just to, mm-hmm. just to mess with MJ's mm-hmm. chances. And I think it eventually got to the point where the fans demanded that we make all of these ballots public. Yeah. And the NBA's yeah. like, you know what? Yes. <laughs> like that's been one of the best things is calling out some of these guys who were just like, really, what were you thinking? Kessler over Ben Caro? And he like makes his defense and it's like, okay, like you, you're just clearly running based off of these advanced numbers to support your argument, but you're not necessarily doing anything else that like is actually relevant to basketball, but he still gets a vote and that vote is counted and we don't. Mm-hmm. And we've, always, and we've all, always got had that handful of players that always stand out as far as MVPs go. You look at Giannis, you look at Jokic, you look at uh, like like KD, you look at LeBron. There are certain guys that you always have in the MVP yeah. conversation. The, every player in the NBA is talented and they are professionals and they deserve to be there for a reason. But there's always there there's always guys that there's always the cream always rises to the top, right, boys? Always the cream always rides us. So, all right, you know that that you know, that kind of is what it is. Um, I, I do want to wrap it up with a bit of trivia. Do y'all mind if I throw some? Go trivia ahead, go ahead. At you? Yes. Okay, here's a total. We love trivia. No, no looking at computers. All right. In 1962, Will Chamberlain averaged 50 and 25. Oscar Robertson averaged a triple double. Who won the MVP? Oh, it was Oscar. Oscar. Bill Russell. <laughs> oh, okay. When well, you said 62, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was oh, Bill yeah. Russell. Yeah, yeah, Will, Will averaged 50. Oscar averaged a triple-double. <laughs> the only time both feats happen statistically, and Bill Russell wins the MVP. So, you know, let's find out who voted in that one. But I think I think the Celtics had the best record, and Russell was considered the best player. So, you know, I think that that's okay. But uh, obviously, you're talking about those absolutely statistical anomalies, and Bill Russell probably still put up some fun stats, but like – oh yeah. He he wins the MVP that year, so it's not you know. I think we can argue MVP. Uh, and were players voting then? For a lot. I, I don't know, but I believe it was media then too. Just I, media. I, I thought media came in later, later than that. But I could be wrong. I could I, be wrong. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I'd have to look into that for sure. It looks like Ed's looking it up. Yeah, I think Ed's looking it up. <laughs> I, I was just looking at because I, I was thinking that that was in in the midst of that that uh, they won like eleven championships in yeah. a row. That was in, in Russell in the Celtics heyday, so it's like yeah, there, there was a precedent. I think that was like his sixth MVP. Like, exactly. Russell actually did not have voter fatigue. In fact, I think he the voters loved him. So you know, Definitely. I yeah. think it's uh, oh, sort yes. of the other side of it. Definitely. Well, we're gonna move on from that. Um, great analysis there, guy. There, guys. I appreciate that. I want to <clears throat> transition to we talked about. NBA players going to play in another league overseas. We want to talk about NBA players playing in another league, but still in the States, the big three. Jalen Brown played in the big three. This is Ice Cube League, as we know. Played in the big threes all-star game last weekend. And it kind of, I don't know, it, it wasn't a controversy. He did it for a good, uh, the game was held in London. He did it for a charity over in London uh, to help uh, London youth. But 
He's the first NBA, current NBA player, active NBA player to play in a big three game. Now, most of their league is full of NBA vets, guys retired from the NBA, guys, some, some guys were stars, you know, mid-level stars. Some guys were just role players who barely touched the court, but they did play in the NBA. He's the first active player from the NBA to go to a big three game. Ice Cube was so just like overwhelmed with joy because he's been on this campaign to try to get more help from the NBA with, I guess, you know, just helping the big three out with promotion and all these other kind of things, which I don't think they owe them anything because really, if you look at it, they're kind of competition. Not really, but it's another league. So, I mean, so how did, first off, how do you guys feel about active NBA players going to play? Because, Carl, we kind of talked about this briefly. How do you feel about guys going to the big three to play while they're still contracted under NBA, uh, NBA teams? Ed, go ahead first. I think it's great. I think the fact that that Jalen went over and did that, um, and as you mentioned, s- supported uh, London Youth. That w- that was one of his major reasons to do it to go over there and support the the youth over there. I think it it, um, it was fantastic that he was able to do that. And in his offseason, he was able to go over that nine points, five rebounds, two assists. So he 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 got some work in. Oh, yeah. some, it allows him to get some work got against some, some professionals in the offseason. And it it, uh, it it does shine a spotlight now on the big three. If, it, if the, the spotlight's always been on it, but now that you've got an active NBA player that's got a $304 million contract, Ooh. he's coming to your league to play in an all-star game. Yeah, that's really going to, that's really going to, the lights are really going to shine much brighter. Now that you see an active NBA player from the Boston Celtics, Jalen Brown, come over and support you and support a great cause over there supporting the youth. I think it's a, it's a great, it's a great thing for Jalen to go over and do that. And I think it's going to set a precedent and other NBA players are now going to really look at the big three and say, they're going to talk to, cause you know, the players talk to them. They're, they're probably texting Jalen. Hey dude, how was the situation? How, how was that experience over there? How was it, how was it uh, being around ice cube and, and going over there and taking care of the youth? How was it playing in there? Do you think I should take a part? Do you think I should take part in, in the next all-star game or the next event, big event that they have? So I think that the players are really going to look at that now that Jalen has, has broken through and becoming that first active NBA player to do it. Yeah, you know, I think anytime you see these leagues that maybe could be considered competition, uh, maybe the end goal is they are bought by that team before they become a monster that's too big of a problem, such as like when the ABA and the NBA merged and it happened in the NFL as well. Uh, In this particular case, I've always liked his business model. It's NBA offseason. It's half-court setting. It's NBA nostalgia, really. So I don't want current players in the big three. I want to see out-of-shape T-Mac putting up 40. Like, I want to see these guys who are for like put Joe Johnson out there and see that he can still hoop at 50. We need the big three to be bought by the NBA. And if you have not played in the NBA for three years, you are eligible to play in the big three. Or, or if you've never actually played in the NBA, I think that that is a great way to do it. So this way it's like, Hey, uh, Jamal Crawford, Jamal Crawford should play in the big three. 100%. I miss that man in the NBA. I yes. bet you he could still hoop at the big three level. Well, of course. But I, but I don't think it's fun when Jamal Crawford has to compete for a roster spot against, say, um, 
you know, let, let's throw out a youngin who's 25 trying to maybe make his name on a national stage. You know, like uh, when we talk about Giannis a little later, I bet you there's a lot of bucks who would actually like a Pat Connaughton who could definitely out hoop most of these older NBA players and they shouldn't be competing for roster spots on the big three because it ruins the nostalgia that it is. And then uh, the other side of this is three on three basketball is a growing sport in the world. I think it's actually a lot of fun. Uh, if you actually uh, are someone like me who's trying to figure out when and on what channel the Team USA games are right now during the World Cup, you've gone to the USA basketball page and seen that it says five on five USA basketball because there is that kind of push. I think Jimmer Fredette was on Team USA three on three basketball. So we're going to see some of these name players appear in three on three basketball because you know, going back to Ed's point, there's money in it. We can make money. Just money. Do it. Yeah. And that's yep. what Ice Cube is really, you know, probably about at the bottom line of, oh, of course. losing money, obviously. You know, just to kind of throw another curveball at you, we're going to go back to 1961 in this case. 1960, 1961. Carl, and, you're going way back today, my hey, man. Hey, you know I love my <laughs> basketball hoops history. So, uh, Abe Saperstein owned the Harlem Globetrotters, right? Anytime the NBA needed to be bailed out, like a team was about to fold, the Globetrotters would go in there and play a double header. They would be the first game to draw in the crowd and the NBA team would play second. He did this in exchange for ownership of the first Los Angeles franchise in the NBA. And when the Minneapolis Lakers moved to LA and he wasn't the owner, he went on a spiteful rampage and made the national basketball, uh, the American basketball uh, league, um, ABL and ABA. the, ABL. Yeah. Uh, ABL. It was the first league that had the three point line. It had some cool players that had sort of been banned by the NBA because of a point shaving scandal in the NCAA. It had a lot of cool things, but the three point line actually is still used today from that league. So it's kind of cool. Uh, he lost $2 million and it wasn't a league by 1962, but you know, I, I think that this is, like I said, we got to remember the spirit and why people kind of tune into the big three and it's, it's sort of NBA nostalgia. So someone like Jimmer for playing in the big three, love it. Like throw him out there. Jimmer mania. People want to see him jack up 40 footers all day. Let's oh. do it. That, that's, that's my only request when it comes to the big three, keep it alive, keep it what it is. Don't, don't oh. allow some young NBA players to try and make a name on that stage and rob Jamal Crawford of a job. So Carl is against it. <clears throat> Ed, you're all for it. Yes. So now that it's happened, do you think this just opened up the floodgates? Do you think we're going to see more players go over there maybe next season? Yes. Should it be just in like a charity aspect or playing in actual games as maybe a reserve or something like that? I think it could be more from a charity standpoint, like Jalen did with the, with the London youth, which is great. That's a that's a great tie and, and, a, and a great way for him to – for players to continue their philanthropic endeavors, right? in the off season and also to get some work in there's nothing wrong with that carl yeah these guys are going to hoop no matter what you do like they're they're going to be out at that lifetime that we see on social media all the time you know they're uh they're going to play in the drew league or any of these kind of semi-pro leagues that make it on to nba tv occasionally because you know lebron or demar Derozan decided to show up you yeah. know like these yeah. are 
this this is not going to be new. I just think the NBA might actually take a little bit more of a, hey, you know, let's make sure we protect our product by not having the guy who just signed the biggest extension of all time get hurt on a national televised big three game, you know, because I think yes. uh, that that's where yes, you know, yes. you're not going to be able to cryogenically freeze these guys for an offseason. That's just not how it works. You know, they got to get out there. They got to hoop. And if they don't hoop, they get out of shape, right? Because there's no shape like basketball shape. You got to play to stay in shape. So Thank I, you. Yeah, I think I think three on three is a great way to do it. And, and you know, I think like everybody says, as long as there's like a charity involved here, you know, uh, uh, no one's ever really going to get mad at you. No. And whether you, you know, we, we, we pray that none of the players get hurt if they go over and do big three from, yeah. from Jalen Brown on, but getting hurt there, as opposed to, as you say, going to the lifetime fitness, Carl, and getting hurt there. I mean, yes, uh, being on the big, st- on the stage at the big three in front of the lights, that's, that's an even worse look, but an injury there compared to walking into your local lifetime fitness and you've got a crowd of people watching and you, and you still get hurt there. An injury is an injury, but yeah, on national TV, that's not a good look for the players and for the NBA and big three. And yeah, I wrote that. I wrote an article about it the other day and I said, you know, it's going to be all good for guys to do this until someone gets hurt. Seriously. Like once one of these guys and not obviously not wishing that on anybody, but once one of these guys goes to a big three game and gets hurt on national television in another league, other than the NBA, other than for the team that pays them a hundred million, 200, 300, whatever it is like Jalen Brown. Now, that's when whatever owners, they're going to step in. They're going to talk to Adam Silver and say, we can't do this anymore. Like, we gave them leeway. Because we know the NBA is a player's league. They pretty much do what they want. Let's just be honest. They do what they yeah. want. Yeah, I yes. yep. they, 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 they get traded when they want. It may take a little bit longer sometimes, but when they want to get traded, they get traded. James Harden is going to get traded. Trust me. All right? It's going to happen. He's going to get traded. Oh, we get to talk about this again because, you know, I have updated thoughts since that soundbite from Daryl Morey came out. We talked about that on the last podcast. <laughs> we we did. If you, oh, yeah. we, we can touch on that as well if you want to get nah, to that in nah, a minute. It's but all good. It's all when, good. <clears throat> so that's all I'm saying. So. I, I, uh, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but to your point, like we, you, you actually brought this up earlier and we didn't really go in on it. Paul George breaks his leg in an exhibition match in Vegas for Team USA. Yeah. And I think we see a lot of these stars in their prime say, this is my last uh, Team USA appearance, maybe the next one. Because Top tier stars, yeah. Yeah, we yep. have kind of slim pickings in the 2020 uh, Tokyo Olympics. Obviously, Damian Lillard got hurt. Kevin Durant was the key star. He played amazing. But, you know, LeBron wasn't out there. Again, Anthony Davis hasn't played for the team in a decade. So, you know, I think um, – uh, Anthony know, Davis can't stay healthy for his regular yeah, that's, team. That's, so. that's <laughs> Same with Zion. I'd love for Zion to be on this team, but I don't know if he'd be healthy. But, you know, I, I think that's what, what we're talking about here. It's like how many times are you going to roll the dice and how intense are you actually going to be? Because I think there is a big difference of being in a high-intensity basketball game and casually playing pickup. So, obviously, yeah. you know, I think, um, you know, th- there's something to be said about, uh, you know, playing it safe. And, you know, th- there's other things that go into it. But, yeah, like uh, we see Paul George break his leg on national television for an exhibition match, but we also just get a tweet notification that – uh, who was it? Uh, Clay Thompson tears his Achilles the day before the NBA draft. Oh. You know, that happened with no cameras rolling, and we obviously don't want to see that injury, but it happens no matter what, obviously. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it, it's rough. Um, So uh, one more thing on the big three. I want to get you guys' thoughts on I, – I mentioned this briefly here a couple minutes ago. 
on Ice Cube's been on a campaign. He wants he he thinks the NBA, he feels like the NBA should be helping out the big three more. Do you guys agree with that or do you disagree with what he's saying? Do you think they owe them anything? No, I don't I think, think they owe them anything. Yeah. Go ahead, yeah, Cole. Yeah. Oh, I think Ed and I are on the same page right away because it, it's one of those things where in a weird way, like I said, the NBA is actually, uh, the big three rather is sort of riding the NBA's coattails. It's like, hey, Joe Johnson needs a stage to play basketball on. We can provide it because he's not able to play 82 games full court anymore, you know? So if it weren't for these guys that we've heard of, uh, you know, going out there and and make, you know, like I said, it's a lot more nostalgia. If it were just some random professional players that we've never heard of before, Mm -hmm. like maybe the basketball tournament, it's not as, it's not as entertaining. So the big three is almost already in a way leeching from the NBA, but you know, good on them for being paid well enough to go out there. I remember I met Rick Mahorn one time and Rick, Rick's probably around 360 right now. He's a big man. Yeah. And I, uh, I jokingly asked him, I said, Hey, I would love it if you could uh, get a picture of me being laid out by one of your screens. And he said, you got to pay me a lot of money to get back on that court. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, like, yeah, you know, it, it was like a joke uh, when I ran into him, but no, he, he was serious about it though. Like, oh yeah. He, he is not going out and setting a screen for me to get laid out on unless he's getting paid for the knees to take that shock. So, you know, I, I, I think, uh, obviously uh, a lot of the money is going to the players and that's probably the appeal to the big three. I don't know what their salary cap breakdown is. You know, I see Jonathan Simmons out there. As long as juice is getting paid to dunk, I love it. <laughs> but you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, like, it, like <clears throat> it is one of those things where, you know, uh, there might be someone equally as athletic going out there and slamming it down. And it's not Jonathan Simmons. And, you know, as a Spurs fan, I'm nostalgic because of the plays he made as a spur. If, you know, it's not an NBA player out there doing those things. I, I'm not seeing it on my timeline, most likely. So, you know, like I said, out of shape, T-Mac goes out there and drops 40 because, you know, he doesn't fit in that NBA jersey the same way he used to. You know, everybody, oh. everybody's stopped running sprints for a living, but they're still out there hooping, you know. Like, I think that uh, that that's where the NBA almost is like, hey, you owe us. <laughs> we're, we're hooking you up with these names because they can't play in our league anymore. And give Cube credit for using his still he's got he's got power in the in the music industry and in this industry uh, for him entertainment in general. Oh, yeah. He's he's a media mogul. I love the the business nature of what Cube is trying to do. They're in their sixth year. So the big three is doing still doing really well. The ratings are good. So why not have why not give Cube his props for still trying to to, like you said, just saying trying to try to nudge up to the NBA, say, hey, we need to give us some help. Give, uh, 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 Give us some love. You know, we're here, too. But at the end of the day, the NBA owes nothing to him at all. They owe nothing to the big three. They only need to make their league and their product better. That's all they need to do. Exactly. And, 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 and that's I, yeah. exactly how I feel. Like they, I don't, because I hear people talking about it and some people are like, why don't they help them? They need to, I'm like, no, they don't have to do anything. They don't no. owe them anything. They're two separate businesses. Now, if they want to do it, they can, but they aren't obligated to do it. Go ahead, Carl. I, I was about to say, you know, kudos to them for figuring out a way to get through the first six years. So that's probably the toughest part. Now they're now they're, they're a name brand and they have some national TV money. So I think that really helps them. But uh, w- what is the next step? And the next step might actually be not having these sort of barnstorming styles and 
making a way to uh, maybe make that a little bit less of a financial burden on them by maybe getting some sort of uh, deal as an extended NBA season in a way at these arenas, right? So uh, I I would say it would be really interesting to see a 30-game season played out at every NBA arena. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the NBA sort of has a a way for them to say, okay, hey, this is the Clippers night. This is the Lakers night. So, you know, we're not necessarily affiliating the teams, but the team is hosting them sort of like they do in the NCAA tournament. Like whenever uh, they're playing at the Alamo Dome here in San Antonio, UTSA is the host team, right? So let's make the Lakers a host team. You know, that Intuit Arena that's going to be built out in West LA is going to be the host team for anything that they want. That thing's yeah. going to be amazing. So it's like, yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, it's like a- when, when, when they're here, ASU is the host team when they play at Footprint Center. Or if they, or if they play at their arena, if they play at Desert Financial Arena, they're the host team. Yeah, and I, th- I just think that would be a cool way to integrate it in a way is to sort of say, hey, we're going to fill one random date for your 30-game tour, mm. and that's your season, right? I, yeah. I mean, I'm just throwing out half-baked ideas here, but I-, I do think there is something that they could do to capitalize and work together because it's a great idea. It's it's a proven business concept, and it might actually be, you know, behind closed doors, one of those things that says, hey, we like you, but we want to give it a decade to make sure that you don't have some catastrophe of, disinterest follow you you know and then all of a sudden we lose on our investment so you know i think the the longer they keep doing it the more the nba can't ignore them they they, i mean what it sounds like what you're saying carl is the nba wants to test out their staying power if they have the 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 long if they're going to have the longevity i mean six years is a long time 10 is better i mean like you said a decade 10 is better but um we'll see what happens there and we'll see I'm sure we'll find out soon if, you know, we're going to see more current NBA players heading over to the big three. All right. I want to touch on a couple more things before we get out of here. Um, Got some audio on Sam Mitchell calling out Giannis Antetokounmpo for his performance or lack thereof (laughs) in, uh, in the playoffs this past uh, postseason. Let's get that. All right. This is the second time in a playoff loss that people are questioning why you wasn't guarding the other team best player. And you sit there with the same answer, where the coach didn't put me on him. But yet you can come to the press conference and make all these demands and say, if this don't happen, if this don't happen, if this don't happen, well, what about in the series when you could have done something about the game, when you could have said, hey, coach, I got Jimmy. Where, where was all that then? I don't want to hear all that. In the time to step up to be a star, you got quiet. What you talking for now? I'm tired of these guys pretending to be superstars. They're getting the money. They get the accolades. But they don't want what comes with it. And what comes with it is putting the team on your shoulders and carrying them sometimes. And stop going to the owner screaming, I need an all-star at every position in order to win or believe it. Hell, anybody can win with that. That don't take talent. That just takes money. Hmm. So, I mean, Carl, I'm going to you first. Um, What do you, you hear that? What do you think? What what are you thinking when you hear that? I I think we got to understand Sam Mitchell is of that coaching brotherhood in the NBA and they just fired Mike Budenholzer. Uh, So obviously uh, the coach was sort of the scapegoat for their losses. And that is another coach, uh, 
de facto defending the Mike Budenholzer. You heard him say something along the lines of how uh, Mike Budenholzer didn't put Giannis on, according to Giannis, the best player on the other team. So uh, obviously in those situations, yeah, you're the defensive player of the year. You're the best player on the team. You, you need to realize that I am going to take charge of this game. I say the ball runs through me. The ball runs through me. If I'm going to guard Jimmy Butler or Bam Adebayo, then yes, I, I should do that. But I, I do think that that's uh, a very – uh, tell us how you really feel, Sam, you know, like that man <laughs> went in on yes. and, and, yes. and I, I really think that, um, you know, uh, that that's one of those things that uh, when you really talk about Giannis's other comments, uh, you know, you, you can be on either side of it. It's very interesting that Giannis uh, sort of said publicly right now that he needs all of his teammates to be ready to like put in the work and win a championship. And uh, it, it's true because the, best players on the bucks that are after Giannis are all older than Giannis. So you got to realize that that core maybe only has a couple years left. He could be a free agent. Uh, I I kind of think that in a weird way, if they don't win another championship, he's not going to want to stay in Milwaukee for the rest of his career. And the next opportunity to exit is here in a couple years, because uh, I I believe he has one more year after this coming season. Mm -hmm. So uh, So two more essentially. Yeah, he's eligible to sign an extension, but it doesn't make sense for him to sign this extension window next year. If they have, you know, if they've done what he kind of feels like is necessary for him to sign a four or five year deal, then he'll probably do that. But I could see him being the next guy up that sort of says, hey, you know, they didn't do a great job building around me, but it's a little hard because they had to make a trade for an all star in his prime and Drew Holiday and they lose all those first round draft picks. So, uh, you know, I would say right now, if Milwaukee could go after Dame Lillard, literally anything to get Dame Lillard, but they don't have the assets to do it, quite frankly. So I was going to say, yeah. this is sort of foreshadowing for Giannis that, hey, the guys that are with me right now need to be on page. I don't want to trade them, uh, or you probably won't be able to get anything better for them in a trade. That'll help me win right now. So it's sort of putting the entire franchise on notice on Giannis's end. And this is Sam Mitchell getting mad at that because he's like, hey, you're the best player. You know, like, do what Jimmy Butler does. Will your team to the victory. And I think um, that that's something that, Giannis can do and has proven that he can do, but maybe he doesn't quite have that first championship hunger anymore that pushed him to that first championship, obviously. So, you know, maybe Sam Mitchell is going to also, hopefully that soundbite does get to Giannis because I think, you know, at the I'm same sure time, he's heard it already. Make, I'm yeah, sure he's heard Oh, yeah, he's yeah, heard it. Right, that's true. I, I think Sam Mitchell makes some valid <laughs> points, and I hope that it's a criticism that uh, Giannis hears and maybe accepts to a certain extent. And here's the thing. Once you win your first championship, of course, you want to win two, three, four or five or six of them. That thirst for Giannis is there. And for them to go out in the first round against Miami, of course, that was that was the ultimate downer for Milwaukee. Right. They got they got the number one overall seed in the Eastern Conference and you go out in the first round. Of course, I'd be disappointed. I'd be so ticked off. And then you, you, uh, uh, Coach Budenholzer gets fired. You bring in Adrian Griffin as your mm. brand new head coach. You don't know what your direction of your basketball team is right now. If you're Giannis, and you're 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 kind of you're you're looking at it from a distance, like okay, um, so what are we going to look like this year? We got a brand new head coach. I don't know what the future is going to hold for me. Are we going to be? Are we are we going to be as good as we were last year? Are we going to win? Are we going to get that number one seed in the East again? Can we win the East? Can we win a championship again like we did a few years ago against the Phoenix Suns? The, the future, they're, they're, it's so up in the air. They, they don't know what's going to happen. So Giannis is like, 
he's looking of course he's, he's looking at himself number one he's he's got to look out for number one but if it doesn't work out this year and they they say they fizzle out again in the first round <laughs> that which would be an awful thing for milwaukee right. if they go out again in the first round let me Giannis is Giannis has got to he's got to look for himself first he's got to do what he's got to do for his career and his in his let legacy me ask you guys, let me ask you guys sorry let, let me ask you guys this is it possible that they just call lightning in a bottle because i'll be honest I was not very enamored with that team last year. No, I'm saying when they won the championship, what two years ago, three years ago now. I, guess the Suns? Three I think they did. Ago? They did. You, you think they just caught lightning in a bottle? Yeah, because the Suns were up two nothing in the series, if you remember. Then they won the last. They won the last four. So yes, they caught lightning in a bottle. Um, and even before the Suns that, they, got, they, they, had, they had a few other breaks in the uh, postseason too. And, oh yeah, they did. Well, I also want to point out that Giannis basically played like a ball handling Shaq. Like his numbers oh. were legitimate, like, you know, 2003 Shaq with the Lakers numbers, or, or I guess, you know, uh, maybe 0102. Like literally, like statistically, he was standing up to those kind of feats. And this goes back to Sam Mitchell's point. You're not playing like that anymore. And, and in a way, that's what you need to win a championship. You talk about Dirk's lightning in a bottle year, you know, like I think Karan Butler mm. was hurt that year. And mm-hmm. they won a championship against the heatles right so uh you, you got to kind of look at some of these situations where Giannis uh can't necessarily expect a all-star player trade to come in they did everything they could to keep this team that got the one seed last year and it also comes down to Giannis needing to play at that MVP caliber level and I'm not saying Giannis I, I'm not saying that Giannis doesn't have a very high trade value but I do think that it only gets lower if maybe they aren't again a home court advantage in the first round team this upcoming year. And then you see that he's disgruntled. You see that you're not going to be able to make a trade to make him happy. And thus, you know, you kind of I was just looking at their salary cap right here. I'll kind of read it off right now. Right. They they owe one hundred eighty seven million this year, one hundred seventy one next year and one hundred and fifteen the year after that. So they're not necessarily going to be able to do too much in Giannis's, uh, you know, in terms of adding from free agency over the next couple of years. Uh, maybe a couple things here, a couple things there. They have Drew Holiday, who could become a free agent next offseason. And uh, Chris Middleton could be a free agent in twenty twenty five if he so chooses. But they they really don't have much to improve this roster on either. So uh, I, I think in a weird way, you, you either, it's almost like the Shohei Otani thing, right? Like mm. you either trade him for a whole bunch of stuff because you know you'll be able to get a whole bunch of stuff and it won't be the sums are equal to the part that's traded away, right? Like you're not going to get, uh, you know, hey, throw at me. Throw, you guys tell me who would make the best Giannis Antetokounmpo trade right now and it's probably Oklahoma City like a combination of picks and young talent, right? But at the same time, nobody on Oklahoma City is going to replace Giannis Antetokounmpo. So they they got to uh, they got to rebuild entirely if Giannis is not there, which isn't the worst thing in the world. They might be able to get some good stuff for uh, Brooke Lopez and Drew Holiday. I'm sure they have a little bit of trade value too, but mm-hmm. the first round picks are becoming a bit more of a premium. All, all NBA type players, MVP caliber guys, they're going to be on the move as usual and Giannis uh, Joel Embiid, Luka Doncic are just sort of the guys next three that were sort of maybe as the media expecting to be on the move after uh, Damian Lillard and James Harden, obviously. Yeah, go ahead, Ed. You had something? No, I, I was I was just agreeing with what Carl said. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I 
I can't disagree with none of that. Um, now, let me ask you guys this. I'm just going to put it to the, I guess, the the rest of his prime. Do you think, are you leaning closer to him staying the rest of his prime in Milwaukee or going elsewhere? So let's say his, pri- his prime. Let's say his prime. What is, is John is 27, 28? Got to be somewhere around there, right? 28. He's 28 yeah. right now. So let's say his prime is another five years. You think he stays in Milwaukee another five years, or you think it's more likely he leaves within that five years? Like no middle ground either, or like which which are you leaning to? And like like you mentioned, Carl, all the players, the, the majority of the players on that Bucks team are older than he is, so he's got to be looking at that like, okay, this team is only getting older. I don't know what our health is going to be like with with these older players. I don't know what my health is going to be like. I don't know what our season is going to be like. If we do get a first, if we do get a first round, um, if we do get the, the first round in the Eastern Conference, um, is it going to be deja vu where we go back and we lose in the first round again? I think it all just comes down to the success or, or lack of success this season, whether he decides to sign that contract. I think he's eligible for an extension, um, I think uh, a, a September, next September, I believe, or something like that. But it's going to determine – what what they do this year is going to determine whether he wants to stay there or not, or if he thinks, okay, it's time for me to go because I clearly don't see a direction where I think this where this organization is going. So I'm out. Go ahead, Carl. Yeah, and I mean I'm right there with you. the The next two best players that are younger than Giannis are Pat Connaughton and Grayson Allen on that roster. Uh, and I, I don't think that that's much of a future to really look at and say, mm-hmm. yeah, one of those guys is going to come up and be the star that plays next to me for those next five years, because you're looking at Drew Holiday, who's probably 33, uh, uh, Chris Middleton's 32, Brooke Lopez, 35. So that that's your starting five all over the age of 30 in a sport that's sort of, you know, a lot of it's based on athleticism and Giannis is going to lose some athleticism too. So you sort of have to figure that Giannis is going to have to change his game a little bit. Uh, and what's that going to look like as somebody who's never really had a consistent jumper. So you're probably going to see him in the post a lot more. And then you sort of uh, wonder as another team, what's his real value. So if Giannis is going to potentially be a free agent, if he's traded somewhere that he doesn't like, uh, you know, what are you going to really get from Oklahoma city? Right. You might get, um, uh, let's see, uh, they they got they got plenty of guys. They're not going to give up Chet. Is my point. They're not going to give up Josh Giddy to to get Giannis. Which and that's where you're going to be dealing with a lot of low ball offers. Uh, now would be the best time to trade Giannis, but obviously you can't trade Giannis right now. So uh, I, I think that they you know coming off that season where they were the one seed, they think that they can win another championship. Winning cures all, right? So if they win one more championship, despite everything that I've just said, that might be enough for Giannis to sign the extension next summer. Uh, he he is eligible to sign an extension. But uh, just given his age, like signing it at 29 for, you know, more money because the salary cap's going to go up makes more sense than signing it right now, which Anthony yep. Davis sort of did because he doesn't want to have an injury later season and then not make 60 million a year for three years. <laughs> like, yes. Like- like that, you know, Giannis is Giannis is going to get a very large extension or free agent contract. So, you, you know, uh, that obviously it's almost to the point where I think Giannis is probably uh, happy doing this with I'm just going to throw out a team like San Antonio or maybe of course uh, San Antonio. Of course, San Antonio, uh, you know, uh, like the Jazz might be able to make a move like a hey, Lowry Markin and, uh, and and some draft picks for Giannis Antetokounmpo. 
maybe that doesn't make them a contender. You know, maybe they maybe they say they're cool with that. You know, who, who's going to really make the move for Giannis? I don't know. I haven't actually had a chance to look at the trade machine two years from now. But uh, I, I do think that it, it seems to me if they don't win a championship within the next two years, Giannis has sort of been forwarding with that. If they didn't win the championship before, he might yeah. already be gone from Milwaukee. You yep. know, so I think uh, there there is sort of um, he's that next guy. Milwaukee's sort of that kind of city that doesn't attract free agent talent that you're probably going to see Giannis as maybe the next guy out and B it is obviously give us some trolling ambition in, that he might have to leave Philadelphia. So, you know, uh, I guess uh, those are the two guys that have somewhat of cases of being MVP in their prime c- caliber players uh, that want to go to an organization that has a little bit better, as you were saying, Chris, a four year contract extension future. Yeah. So, um, Carl, I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, so you mentioned the Spurs. You also uh, mentioned OKC. I'm looking at an article here. Those are two of the first teams listed because he's it's been alluded to that he would like to stay in a small market. So that takes the New Yorks, the L.A.'s, mm-hmm. even the Miami's to an extent out of the conversation, really, if he wants to stay in a small market. Um, so I'm seeing the thunder here, obviously, OKC. Spurs, San Antonio, and then also the Toronto Raptors is another Toronto. team as a dark horse. They, 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 they're listed as a dark horse. Okay. So those are all, as far as the NBA goes, those are three small markets right there. Yeah, and you and you mentioned Utah too, Carl. Utah intrigues me for Giannis potentially going to the Jazz. That would be really? interesting. Hmm. Why, 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 like, I guess what's intriguing about him in the Jazz? If they could keep Markin in, in the, the Giannis trade, then that would be a very fun one two punch because Mark oh, can goodness. actually compliment yes, yes. him pretty well, I think. But you don't think you don't think they asked for Markin in, in that trade? They asked for Markin and I don't think that the Jazz should give him up. Because I, I don't think you dra- I don't think you trade for Giannis if you don't have your you best ask for him. pair with him. Right. I got you. I got you. No, I'm just, you know, playing a little bit of devil's advocate there. No, no, devil's advocate's fun <laughs> in the middle of the summer when we're, you know, a month and a half away from training camp starting up. So I appreciate it. So, hey, yeah. I, I like doing it in the middle of the season. I don't care when it is, called. You know true. that. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but could could you imagine Giannis out in the Western Conference? Oh, my goodness. That, and that, the West is already so stacked. <laughs> goodness. <laughs> the West – let me ask you guys this real quick before we move off of uh, Giannis here. As currently constructed, now we're we're pretty much through the offseason. Training camp's coming up here in September in a few weeks. Is Milwaukee the best team in the in the East? No. They were number one seed last year. Doesn't mean they're the best, but you know, but they were the number one seed. Are they do you think they're the best team in the East right now, heading into the season? If you made me pick, it would have to be Boston. Okay. Yes, Boston. Okay. No, okay. Milwaukee's not. I don't even think they're second best. So who's second? Philly. Philly, yes. Are they third or fourth? Milwaukee? Yeah. Oh, definitely. For me, they're 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 interchangeable maybe between them and Miami. Okay. Yeah. And I, I, I'm not sold on Miami. You were talking about lightning <laughs> in a bottle earlier. This was Jimmy Butler's chance to to do a Dirk Nowitzki in 2011, in my opinion. Like, I don't think that this I think that roster's tapped out, especially since uh, if they don't get Damian Lillard, that is, which, you know, that 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 would obviously change the landscape. I might actually almost put Miami right up there with Boston uh, and above Philly for sure. Uh, if they got Damian Lillard. Oh, or, definitely. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, and I, I throw the Cavaliers I, in there too. Yeah, the, the Cavaliers. Top four, top five, yeah. A lot of guys yeah. that yeah, potential with that youth group, really. I love Evan Mobley, and I think that, the you know, 
We'll see if Donovan Mitchell's on that roster, but they gave up too much to get him. So there's like rumors that he might be sort of the next guy floated around to see if they can get a return on that investment, even if they take a little bit of a loss. Because uh, I don't think that Donovan Mitchell is a uh, uh, Darius Garland backcourt uh, mate long term, but they also can't get a better player than him. So it's an interesting situation in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I think overall, Cleveland does have that kind of potential to be in that top three conversation. They could even get the one seed. You know, I, I, obviously, uh, we put Philly number two, but we don't know if James Harden's going to be playing in a fat suit or not. <laughs> what, yo, yo, hey, hey, hey. It's the truth. I, 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 don't I, tell me I'm going with that one, man. <laughs> I'm a Spurs fan and a Sixers fan, so I saw it from afar, and my shot and throw it caught up to me because I might see it on my Sixers uh, as well. Like, like the best thing for James Harden in this situation is to ball out and earn his next contract because he probably could have gotten a hundred million dollar contract from Philly if he opted out and and you know test the free agent market, and he would have gotten like a Kyrie type deal, I, I imagine. But instead, he has become a drama like that the off season needed to entertain us kind of guy, which, you know, I just laugh at James Harden, but you know, that I do think that he almost changed who he was in Philadelphia to a level that if he didn't stumble here in this weird free agency period, he would be a loved image in Philadelphia because he took a pay cut to sign PJ Tucker. He yeah. was considered a selfish player beforehand and he led the league in assists this year. So really James Harden just sort of really hurt a, a rehabilitation year, uh, like threw it all down the drain. Yeah, I've never really seen Harden. I mean, I guess, you know, in Houston, he shot a lot, but he had to because the offense was built around him. It was, it was built for him to be featured. I've never really looked at him as selfish. I've just always looked at him as a, he does not equal, like if you want to win, he can't be your number one or really your number two guy, in my opinion. That's how I've always looked at James Harden since he went to Houston. Now, before that, he was number three over in OKC. OKC, yes. When they were young. Mm-hmm. But I just have never seen him as equally winning. There's just certain guys I'm like, yeah, he's very good. He's going to win scoring titles. He might win an MVP. But will he help you in the championship? Win. No. Right, Dan? He's the Carl Malone of our generation. He's undoubtedly. Yeah, but at least Carl Malone got to the generation. finals twice, right? Yeah. I mean, he, hey. he can't even get that far. Hey, hey, Harden is not a clutch player in the playoffs. We know that. No. Like that, no. that, that, that's obviously going to be a black mark on his uh, career because unless with Philadelphia this year he wins a championship, you're going to look at all the times that he uh, didn't quite perform his best. It probably starts in those 2012 finals. Uh, I, I think obviously uh, the year that Kawhi got injured. Uh, James Harden didn't show up when the Spurs didn't have Kawhi or Tony Parker. Uh, a rookie DeJounte Murray went out there and played better than James Harden that year. You probably have to look at, I think, uh, what I can't remember what year it is. They all blend together. But the year that they took the Warriors to seven, they should have won that series. Uh, it was either 16 I, or 17. Yeah, I think it was 17. Oh, uh, 17. Yeah, somewhere around there. Like I said, they blend together. It's crazy. Was that, the, was that the 0 for 27 game when they missed all their three-pointers? Uh-huh, I think that so. That year? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yes. You, you, look, you look at the stars that Harden's played with Dwight Howard, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, uh, twice, uh, Kyrie, Kyrie. Irving, yes. you know, Joel Embiid. This, uh, this man has gone through more stars than any other player in the league. If I had, uh, you know, had to guess, you know, maybe KD's up there as well, uh, because, you know, they sort of had the same general path where they left for, <laughs> and obviously the Warriors, uh, would probably add on if you count everybody on the Warriors. But, uh, overall, you, you know, uh, I forget where we were on this topic, but my my closing thoughts on the the Eastern Conference overall yeah. is Philadelphia is a wild card, but if Harden stays, which I kind of think he will, I don't think that the the Sixers aren't going to give him away, and I don't think the Clippers were really interested in trading for him, especially now after those Daryl Morey comments. You know, he Harden Harden's going to have to really earn his contract this year. I don't think he realizes how deep he sort of dug himself a hole because Houston didn't want him. They gave Fred Van Vliet his money, and then they also uh, ha- have this crazy situation where he opted into the Sixers contract and said, "Trade me." It's like <laughs> you could have been out of here. What What are you talking about? But you know. And like he, he needs to come back and he needs to ball out because those Philly fans are going to be ruthless and boo him so oh, bad that I believe he they will earn their respect again. Like, and, and that's, that's his best chance right now is just if he can earn those Philly fans respect by the end of the season and they win a championship or they get to the finals or whatever, Harden will get his money. Otherwise, I don't know what happens to James Harden next off season, much less this season. And you know, the fat suits part of it. And I can't wait to see if that makes it. Yeah, I think he retired back. I think that fits over. And what and what do you think happens with James Harden? I mean, since we're here, like, what do you think is going to happen? Or you know, I, I agree. I think, like Carl, I think he'll play this season with the Sixers as the whole um, season. Really? Who knows? I don't know. Trade deadline drama is unbeaten. Like we're we're gonna we're gonna hear some oh, stuff. His name will be James at the top. Harden. But oh, it, yes. it, it matters. It matters if James Harden has driven his value to a point where the Sixers need to get rid of him for peanuts, or if he's driven his value high enough that the Clippers say, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll give you uh, a couple first round picks to to pair with Kawhi and Paul George. You know, desperation of the trade deadline is always going to be a little bit dramatic. But I think if you were to ask me right here at the end of uh, August, yeah, I would say James Harden's going to play out the season with the Sixers, mainly because they're not going to give him up for nothing nothing and you know they're just gonna have to deal with it uh so we'll see what happens and he you know obviously it would be best for the Sixers to do something but I just don't see what they can do and it's a make it break make it or break it year for for Harden he knows he's got to come and show mm-hmm. and prove and play himself into a contract whether it's there or some or somewhere else yeah I gotta <clears throat> I gotta disagree with y'all on this one um I don't think there's any way he makes it past the the trade deadline I think he's uh, out. I think he's out. I, I, don't, I, I, I don't. I just unless yeah. unless him and and, and Daryl Morey sit down and they reconcile and, and and you know get back on the same page. I think he's going to keep push pushing the issue. Honestly, publicly. Oh yeah. He's already yeah. come out and, and said the man's a liar. Like he's already done that. So unless he just goes back and apologizes and says, you know, I had a moment there. Sorry about you know all these things. They can sit down. I just don't see it happening. I, I think by the trade deadline, I think he's out of there. Yeah, and I, I don't think I, I don't think Harden is that guy. He's he's too headstrong. I don't think he's gonna back, <laughs> back off his comments and sit down with Daryl and say, you know what, Daryl, I, I made a mistake. I, I should have said all that stuff. I apologize. I don't I don't see uh, James as being that kind of guy. And the crazy thing is, like you know, the the impression we've gotten all these years is that they were really close, right? That's the, that's been when 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 Maury left Houston, he took out an article in the uh, Houston Chronicle, and he had a, a large portion of that 
was made out to James Harden saying how much he meant to his career, how he loved him, all these things. It was a big love letter to James Harden. And then, you know, five years later, Harden is calling the man a liar over in China. <laughs> so I, I just don't know how they recover from this, honestly. I, I just, I'm, I'm not sure how you, how you do that. I think there's a secret third door here where the 76ers fire, fire Daryl Morey. Uh, because you think so, really? You know, you you bring Embiid into this now. Hmm. I think that's where you have to look at it. Is Embiid on the same page with James Harden in saying, "Hey, our president of basketball operations is not the guy that I want running. If you want me to stick around, you know, because obviously all of these guys at this point in their career have the threat of free agency to leave the team for nothing. So. Uh, obviously the 76ers want to win a championship with Joel Embiid. They don't want to start quote unquote, the process over again, which not the process. <laughs> no, they, they, they won't be that bad ever again. You would hope, but they, they certainly want Embiid to, to give every chance he can to win a championship until he's 30. And it's been rough on Embiid. It's been rough as for me, a 76ers fan, the process I was gonna say years off my life. It I was going to say, miserable. when you say you, you're talking about yourself. Yes. Oh, yes. It, it is miserable being a 76ers fan. I remember telling people like, you know, oh, hey, they're not going to really try to be good for another three years right when the process started and they only won like 18 games or whatever it was. So, you know, like that that's tough to tell fans. You, you want to be good for as long as you can. That's why you don't want to give up a Giannis or a Joel Embiid. But the realities of acquiring another all-star player or having a disgruntled all-star uh, want to leave your team and you're, you know, the only all-star left. Those, those are situations that you almost need to cut your losses and trade your star player or give into his demands. And, you know, if Daryl Morey, who I also think is one of the toughest negotiators in trades, and maybe at this point for the 76ers, they don't need that, uh, that, you know, bring in somebody else to do these negotiations. I, I think, you know, that that's a, that's where the ownership needs to almost realize again, it's a player's league and you, you want to keep your best players happy and productive. And that might mean giving up somebody that you like in the front office because you have to pick a side. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ed, anything to add to that? No, totally agree. Yeah. I, I got you there. But, and, and, and like I said, when, when Carl said you, I knew he was talking about himself as a 76ers fan. And here's the best part about it. I, I actually know and am related to people from Philadelphia. It is yeah. Philadelphia. The city is a hell of a drug. It is a different place. And these your, your dad's from Philly, it. right? Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah, they, they, yeah. yeah. My dad's from Philly. My mom's from Philly. My family's right. from Philly. So I go up there every year <clears> and let me tell you, it is nothing like Texas. It's nothing like Arizona. No. You know, the Northeast in general, uh, those people live in their own worlds. And, and I want to, like, if I ever get a show, I'm going to do a whole bit. Okay, here's my opinion on the matter. Here's how the Northeast reacted to it and play Boston, Philly, New York, where those guys are just yelling into the microphone like they're mad at them and saying, oh, LeBron James stinks. I, I can't even, you know, like Mad Dog Russo over there. Like, oh I can't reach that kind of energy level in my actual vernaculars just because, you know, that's a very Northeastern thing. And those people, they're very entertaining and they're very passionate. And I, I do think that you have to consider the Philadelphia fans and they are a little ridiculous and they, they want a good winning product out there. So you got to figure out how to do that. And uh, that's obviously increasingly hard in the NBA when we're grading everybody on, did you win a championship or not? For sure. For sure. Well, we'll, we'll leave that one right there. Um, 
One last thing we're going to go over real quick. I just want to get you guys' thoughts on your boy Ben Simmons. Oh, goodness. It seems like, yeah, exactly. More Philly stuff. More I know, Philly I stuff know. Here. Can we end the show now, actually? More, <laughs> more, no, no. We got to get to Ben Simmons real quick, real quick. <laughs> so he he's talking about, and obviously, you know, so the last few summers, we see all these videos of him that, that are posted, shooting in a gym, shooting jump shots, getting in shape, and then the regular season comes around and he either doesn't play or he doesn't, or when he does play, he doesn't shoot at all. So people are just kind of over it. So he he talks about being asked if, you know, if he were traded again, where might he want to go? And he says, people always ask me, like, if you were going, if you were to get traded again, where would you want it to be? I always say just Philly. All right. Now, I'm going to say, Carl, Carl, I'm going to save you for last on this one. Ed, we know what happened in Philly. We've done shows on this, what happened with him in Philly. Give me your thoughts on this. Seriously. Like, what are your thoughts on this, on these shenanigans? I don't think there's no way he can come back to Philly and, and, and play not not for that fan base. But like like Carl mentioned, there there that's a fan base like no other. They remember they don't forget a single thing. Um, I'm sure there would there would be some fans that would love to have him back, but the majority of them just remember how he let them down in the playoffs against the against the Hawks. Like, but do you buy this though? Do you think he's being genuine here? That he wants to go back to Philly. Yeah, after everything that happened there, do you really buy that he would like to go back and fit? Who else wants him? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, fair. <laughs> yeah. Ed, that's that's a good answer right there. That is a okay. good go, go ahead. And on that note, Carl, I'll pass it to you. Who else wants him? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that that's like the this is almost like a uh, you know what, I really I really regret breaking up with my girlfriend kind of thing. You know, <laughs> like that that's where I sort of feel like it is with Ben Simmons because uh, we see him every summer. He is one of the best athletes in the NBA when he's healthy. There, there's no doubt about that. But it, it's mental at this point. He the the mental capabilities uh, that he used to have on the court that made him the best defender and one of the best playmakers in the league. And I used to always say God didn't give him a jumper because it wouldn't be fair. He had to earn that, and he kind of really never earned it. Uh, it really, you know, I think Philly, again, it's like the James Harden situation. They would actually welcome him back, but they're going to boo him first. Like, oh, he, he, like if he were to ever end up back on the Sixers again, he would need to ball out. Uh, otherwise, they would mm-hmm. boo him and they're going to boo him right away. And if he plays bad, they're going to boo him. And that, that's everybody, you know, Embiid uh, also gets booed every now and then. Philly mm-hmm. is a booing town. It, it doesn't matter if they love you or not. That's part of their love. Like we're, we're going to tell you when we don't think that you're playing well. I love that about Philly and New York and Boston. They're, they're not scared to sort of like get in their player, their, their fans, fan base's favorite. San Antonio is not like that. You know, we're sad when they're not playing well, but we're quiet like Philly, mm. uh, Philly will really get on you. So if Ben Simmons were to ever end up in a 76ers uniform again, he would be welcomed with booze. And then if he made good plays, they would cheer for him. And then that it's those, those slow cheers over time that eventually will get him back in the good graces of the people of Philadelphia, because they are actually a forgiving fan base. Like, you know, I think, uh, there, there are some certain situations where guys can't go back to the team for sure. I don't think Ben Simmons necessarily would, uh, not be able to go back to Philadelphia 100. Really? And I think these, I think these comments are actually sort of proof of that. Where he's like, "Hey, you know, I would actually really be open to joining Philly. I, I feel like 
uh, there's maybe unfinished business there. I regret how I acted back then, whatever, because, you know, I think we got to give some of these guys a little bit more credit to being in the maturation process of their mid twenties, right? Like, you know, how you felt when you were 25, you realized, man, I was a little bit of a 25 year old jerk when you're 28, right? Like three years can make that kind of difference. And yeah. I, I feel like, I feel like that's fair. If Ben Simmons comes back on a minimum contract when he's 29 or something like that, because, you know, as Ed said, who's going to sign him. Right. And if he says, Hey, I really want to come back to Philly and prove that, you know, I'm worth it. I've made my money in, uh, I don't, I don't care what you guys can pay me. You know, I want to earn it. Uh, another contract with you guys. I think Philly fans would respect that. And I think Philadelphia would be okay. Sounds good. Well, but right now I don't think anybody would sign him to the money he's getting paid. Uh, uh, you know, when his next contract is up, he needs to get back in that kind of shape. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think it would be an incentive laden contract. And as, as Carl mentioned, once it, it, once you start playing well, as Carl mentioned, the, the Philly fans will embrace you and they will love you. He's right. He'll, he will get a, a lot of unmerciless. Unmer- he, he will be booed like crazily until he gets out there and he plays well. And if he starts making shots, Carl, watch out. He's yeah, he, he, he's he's back. If if it could be an all star again, how long have we been saying that? I know, but but how long have we been saying if he starts making shots? We've been saying that for, for what, years. seven years now. Yes. Well, so well, I just you know, at this point, I kind of think he is who he is. But and yeah, I'm not do- buying this. Oh, I want to go back to Philly. I would go. I'm not buying it, and I don't buy that Philly. Philly would really want him back. I'll be honest. I, I'm not buying any of it. I think okay. it's all bull. It's all bull. I, I I don't think they would want him back, but if he if they were if they did find some way to bring it back, it would it as meant Carl mentioned it would come down to play. If he played well, then the, then the fans would embrace him and they would love him and and and, and act like nothing ever happened. But, but if I he guess came what back, I'm saying is I think he's full of crap. That's what I'm saying. I think he's full I, of crap. I see this as the closest thing that we're going to get to an apology, actually. Oh, like, oh that's what this yeah. is, an apology. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like, we're not going to get an okay. apology, but this is like the closest of, you know what? I messed up, Philly. My bad. I would go back there if you would take me. Just just a thought. Oh, my goodness. All right, fellas. Okay, okay. Anything else on that? Good to go. All right. Um, yeah. He's, and, I, I just don't see him going back there, no. no, no, feel, no and, and go ahead. Go ahead and uh, give us your uh, social media and everything and, and what you got going on before we get out of here. Of course, Instagram at Edward Cole 301, Twitter at Ed Cole 43, and on Facebook, Edward Cole. I appreciate you having me on, brother. Carl, oh, it's great to meet, meet you and, and great to, to chop it up with you. I can't wait for our next panel discussion. Yeah, we'll do it again. Definitely. Definitely. Go ahead, Carl. This is a lot of fun. Nice meeting you too, Ed. Appreciate you guys. I'm at KS Media 13 on X or Twitter or whatever you want to call it. And that's really the only place that I update regularly. So at KS Media 13. And uh, yeah, I just got a UTSA volleyball and soccer with UIW football coming up. And uh, then, you know, my hoop schedule is going to be uh, kind of filled out here soon. So uh, looking forward to hoops. It'll come up before we know it, y'all. Like I uh, look down at what's today, 20. Oh, it's the 30th. My goodness. 30th, of August. Right? So Yeah. So next uh, Friday is September. So, you know, uh, that means that we're one month away from players reporting essentially. So I, I yeah. can't wait for basketball to get rolling again. And, and who are you, who are you uh, calling games for right now? Uh, right now for, for Arizona Christian University for the football team and come next March, it'll be season four of Arizona, Northern Arizona Wranglers football in the indoor football league. I'm excited go. about that. Tonight I've got a, a girls flag football game to call for, for the Epic Sports Network. So I'm going from, from, from girls flag football next weekend, college football, and then yeah. in a couple months, once we come up around March, it'll be time for professional football. 
Like I said, my guys, they do it all. All right, fellas, I appreciate you joining us on episode 103 of the Courtside Crossover. I'm Chris Barty. Again, catch us on FullPressCoverage.com as well as the Full Press Coverage app, Megaphone FM, Spotify, and anywhere else you find podcasts. Catch me on Instagram, Twitter, and go check out Blue Sky if you're not on there already. Find me on all three at Chris Partee. That's C-R-I-S-S-P-A-R-T-E-E. Catch you next week. Peace. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.